Good morning, church. All right. Okay. That's, that's much better. Uh, anybody excited to be here in worship today? Yeah. Anybody excited about Christmas? Yeah. Okay. Me too. Me too. Christmas is my favorite time of year. I absolutely love Christmas time. I, right after Thanksgiving is over, because I'm a holiday purist, by the way, you can't celebrate Christmas before Thanksgiving. In case any of you guys were ever wondering, yes, yes, amen. I hear those. Everybody else is like, I don't like this guy. No, so right after Thanksgiving, I become Buddy the Elf, right? Because I love Christmas so much. And specifically after the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving. If you're ever wondering, Thanksgiving officially ends after the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. I turn into Buddy the Elf. I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the music. I love Christmas movies. I mean, we have stacks of them. My wife, as we were getting ready to transition from Thanksgiving to Christmas, she went into our, our guest bedroom where we have all of our DVDs. Uh, for those of you in this section, they're little discs like this that you, you put into something and you watch movies on them. Um, when you don't have internet to stream. But she goes in and I mean, she's bringing out stacks of DVDs of Christmas movies because we just love Christmas. We love the tradition. We love the food. We love everything about Christmas. And Christmas Eve is one of my favorite worship experiences of the entire year. So make sure that you plan to be here. We're gonna have two uh, worship services on Christmas Eve, one at 4.30, one at 6. Come to one. If you wanna stay for both, go for it. They're gonna be identical. You don't have to, but you can if you want. Uh, but the truth is, uh, Christmas has not always been a time of joy and celebration for me. Um, growing up in, in the family that I grew up in, we, we were poor, so we, we never knew what Christmas was going to look like. Um, grew up before, before my parents were divorced, they were constantly fighting. It would always get worse at the holidays time. So, so our home wasn't filled with joy and cheer and happiness. It was filled with conflict and strife and stress. Right? The only thing I ever looked forward to at Christmas time was when I got to leave my family. I'd go during Christmas break and spend a week with my great-grandparents in, in Tier C. And uh, that, that was my favorite part of Christmas, was getting away from my family. And I think that's part of why I love Christmas so much as an adult now, right? Because I'm trying to, to, to make up for all of those times where, where it wasn't a happy time. And I think that, that my childhood experience is, is why I every year so desperately long for the absolute perfect Christmas. You know what I'm talking about, right? Where, where the kids get all the ornaments and they're evenly spaced out on the tree when they put them on there. They're all facing the right direction. Like everything is perfect. Everything is like a Hallmark movie. It's snowing outside, and which would be a miracle in Las Cruces. Um, but, but that's what I desire every year is that perfect Christmas. And every year I fall into that trap thinking this is the year, right? Last year I had some bobs. This is the year I get my perfect Christmas. You know, you know the one that I'm talking about, right? Something that looks a little bit like, like this. Okay, well, there we go. Okay, look at that. Can't you just feel the warmth? I mean, everything is in its perfect place. Like even the dog is smiling. I don't know how you get a dog to smile. But that, that's, that's the perfect Christmas that, that I desire. Or, or look at this one here. You can just smell the food, right? Everybody's happy. Nobody's calling the police. You know, there's no fighting. Oh, it's just a beautiful picture. Or what about this one? Oh, I can just hear the laughter and the giggles. I mean, none of those ornaments will get broken all year long. 
I mean, it's, it's just wonderful. That, that, those are the types of Christmas that we desire, right? This, this picture-perfect Christmas, this Christmas that, that, that could be in a stock photo. But unfortunately for most of us, it, it, our Christmases end up looking like this. Yeah, you see, now I personally think that's a creative way to hang the star on top of the tree, right? Get a pole, put the baby on it. For those of you that were here for family dedication, take notes. This is how you get the star on top of the tree. You just hang the baby from a pole. The stockings are taped on to the, the mantle, right? We want that picture-perfect Christmas, but every year it ends up looking more like this than the others. Um, but here's the deal. I fall for this trap every year. Every single year, I believe this is a year for my picture perfect Christmas. And usually by December 4th, right, is when I wake up from my illusion and I realize that, that this, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to get that picture perfect Christmas, right? I usually get stressed out by our schedule. You know, we have two kids, 13 and 10, and they're super busy at Christmas time. So, so once we get into December, that stress from our schedule starts to build up. I'm sick of the traffic on like both roads that we have traffic on in Las Cruces. I'm just trying to avoid them. I'm tired of dealing with the crowds in the stores. By mid-December, I am done dreaming about the perfect Christmas. And now all I'm doing is dreaming about some peace and quiet. Yeah, see, some of you are there. You didn't even wait till mid-December. You're there. You're like, yes, we want some peace and quiet. And I know I'm not alone in this because some of you clapped and now everybody knows, you know, who's not having the perfect Christmas but no, really, research shows that one of the greatest desires of all humanity, and not just at the holiday time, is peace. Right? We desire peace in our lives. We crave peace. For some of us, it's peace in the middle of chaos. Right When life seems overwhelming and everything is just going crazy around us, and we, we just feel like all of life is out of control, we crave peace. For others, it's, it's peace in the middle of conflict. Right? Maybe there's some conflict in your home or conflict with, with extended relatives and the holidays just remind you of that conflict. They remind you of all that strife. Or maybe you're dealing with conflict at work and, and you're just like, man, I just want some peace. Sometimes we need peace in, in times of uncertainty. Right? We have stuff going on. Right now, a lot of us are feeling the uncertainty of, of our, our economic situation in our world. Right? Is inflation going to keep continuing to go higher? Are prices going to continue to go higher? Am I going to be able to continue to buy groceries or pay rent? Uh, just heard this morning of, of somebody's rent that was going up by $800 a month. Right? All that uncertainty just, just builds anxiety in us. And I know for, I've, I've talked to a number of you that you're, you're going through some health stuff. Right? And you're going through some doctors and getting tests and, and, and there's some uncertainty about what that holds for you. And you're just saying, man, I just want some peace. For others, it, it's grief. Right, The holidays remind you of the loved ones that you lost, the loved ones that you won't be able to spend time with this year at Christmas. And it breaks your heart. We just desire peace in our lives. Anyone else here feel like you could use some peace in your life about now? Yeah. A lot of us. A lot of us. Well, I have some good news. Uh, the Bible actually talks a lot about peace. It talks a lot about how we can have peace in our lives. And, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bible, please open up to Luke chapter 2. Um, Luke is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, these Gospels are the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 2. 
And one thing that we don't talk about a lot of when it comes to the Gospels is what happens right before the Gospels. I know if, if, if you're like me, you kind of go from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you just flip a page and you don't think anything of it. But, but what we need to understand is, is prior to the birth of Jesus uh, and between the Old Testament and the New Testament, because the New Testament starts with the birth of Jesus, there were 400 years that took place in that one page that we flipped from Old Testament to New Testament. 400 years that took place in that, that intertestamental period. And it, it was not a good time for the Jewish people. It was not a good time for the Israelites. Because you see, during that entire time, during all 400 years, uh, they were occupied by other people. Um, during the beginning of that, for about the first 400 years of, of that time, um, it, it was a Persian empire. And the Persians were okay because they let the Jews continue to, to practice their religion and, and live their lives. So it wasn't that bad. I mean, they didn't have all the freedoms. They didn't have any, any political power or anything of that nature. But it could have been worse. And, and it does get worse for the Jewish people because the Greeks come in and they conquer the Persians. Now, the Greeks didn't want the Jews to practice their religion. And so they, they wouldn't allow them to freely practice their religion. As a matter of fact, the Greeks went into the temple and they removed all the priests from the temple. They desecrated the temple. They wouldn't allow the Jews to practice their religion. They were oppressive and, and it just got bad. And then it went from bad to worse because the Romans conquered the Greeks in 67 BC. So about 67 years before our passage today, before Jesus was born, is when the Roman Empire came in, defeated the Greeks, and now they rule over Israel. And they, they imposed all these high taxes, all these laws. They, they limited Jewish influence and freedoms. And then on top of that, because during this time, this 400 years, it's, it, it was a time where, where the people of Israel did not hear from God. Right? There were no prophets. If you read the Old Testament, the, the, the last uh, probably 25% of the Old Testament are all these books about these prophets that God sent as, as, as messengers to the Jewish people. Right? We, when we did our study on, on the book of Jonah, Jonah was a prophet that was sent by God to deliver a message to the people. Well, they went 400 years without hearing a message from God. Right? These are God's chosen people. These are our God's chosen people. They went 400 years without ever hearing from God. And during that time, the religious leaders of the day decided to take things into their own hands, which, by the way, is never a good idea. But then they started imposing all these strict laws that people had to follow and being very oppressive about how they, they practice their religion. So this is the context that, that Jesus was born into, right? This is the context of our passage this morning. It was this time of chaos and oppression and, and people were just like we are today. We're just so desperate for peace. And then comes the birth of this child. Luke chapter 2 says this. It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I come to proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in tightly in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. 
When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this story that comes right out of the life of, of Jesus that, that tells us about his birth, this story of, of joy and peace of God interrupting our mess and our anxiety to give us a message of great joy, of good news. Father, I thank you that we have the opportunity to, to study your word and to open it up and to learn about you and learn about how you interact with us. And Father, I pray that as we encounter you through your word this morning, Lord, that we would leave here a changed people, right? That your Holy Spirit working through us will apply your, this word to our lives and we would leave here deeper in love with you and at greater peace because we know that you are the Prince of Peace. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. What an experience. Could you imagine being one of those shepherds? You're just out in a field doing your thing. The sheep are doing their thing, sleeping or eating. You're, you're hanging out with your friends. I mean, it's, it's, it's boring. It's the same thing day after day after day. You're just sitting out in a field. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this angel appears, right? And it says we, they were terrified. I, I would be terrified too, by the way, if I'm just sitting, sitting at my house and all of a sudden this magnificent angel just appeared there, I would be freaking out. And that's exactly what they were doing here. And if that wasn't enough, then a whole angel choir joins them and starts singing this song of joy. But, but more importantly for us this morning, this song of peace. Right? Remember the Israelites, they, they, they had actually been occupied for 500 years. They had been under the, the rule and reign of someone else for 500 years, and no matter what they did, and they tried some things, no matter what they did, they were unable to find the peace they desired. Everything they did just, just left them feeling empty and unsatisfied. They were unable to find peace. Just like a lot of people today that, that are looking for peace in, in their circumstances are unable to find it. And then out of nowhere, in the middle of their, their lives, in the middle of their, their mess, this angel appears and tells them, hey, guess what? Peace isn't found in the changing of your circumstances. Right? You don't have to wait till Rome leaves and, and you have freedom again to find peace. They said instead, peace is found coming in the form of a baby. Right? Here's our bottom line this morning. If you're taking notes, this is what I want you to, to walk away with. When we pursue peace, we find empty promises. But when we pursue Jesus, we find the peace that surpasses all understanding. You see, a lot of times we pursue peace, we desire peace, and we try and manipulate our circumstances. We try and manipulate our lives so we can find that peace. And guess what? It always comes back, that anxiety comes back, that worry comes back. We never really find peace that lasts because guess what? Problems are gonna keep coming and coming and coming. They're like the waves of the ocean, right? You go out into the ocean and, and you're, out, you're being battered by the waves and you, you, the wave leaves and you take a breath, but guess what? There's another one coming. We know that's true of life. And when we look for peace, 
when we search peace as our, our number one priority, yeah, we may find it temporarily, but it's not gonna last. But here's the promise. When we pursue Jesus, when we follow hard after Jesus, not only do we get Jesus, but he also gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14. This is Jesus. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. You see, Jesus is contrasting the peace of the world and the peace that can only come from him. And he's saying the peace that I give you is so much better than what the world can give you. The peace that I give you is so much better than what the world can offer you. Take the peace that I am giving to you, right? Unlike the peace that the world offers, which will always leave us unsatisfied, Jesus offers us peace that will never leave us. Peace that will never leave us empty. Peace that will, will always be with us. And so as we are looking for peace in life, whether it's at the holiday time or the rest of the year, let's remember our, our pursuit isn't after peace. Our pursuit is after Jesus. And when we pursue Jesus, the Bible says we get peace that surpasses understanding. We get peace that the world doesn't understand. We get peace that the world doesn't offer, but they're so desperately looking for. Because the peace of the world just doesn't last. I remember a couple of years ago, our family, we uh, were taking a family walk down by the Rio Grande River, you know, during the couple of months where there's actually water in, in the river. Um, but we were walking down there, and we were just, it was late in the evening. We are just trying to relax. And our son, he was probably eight at the time, that dude is full of energy. There is no relaxed mode in our son. So we're down there, and, and we're walking, and my wife and I, were holding hands. We're just trying to, oh, isn't it beautiful? He's like, he's just going nuts. And people are walking by, and they're just kind of like looking at him. And we're like, it's okay. He, he's fine. Um, and then so finally, I was like, dude, I said, you've got to settle down. I said, people come out here for like peace and quiet. They come out here to relax. And he's like, okay, dad, I've got it. And so he started walking away and he goes, oh, oh. I'm like, well, I guess that's better, right? But, but he wasn't, really didn't have peace. It was just false peace. And so many times we fall for that same trap, right? We just manufacture peace, but it doesn't last. It's only through Jesus that we can find the peace that surpasses all understanding. So how do we find this peace? First and foremost, we must recognize this. The peace is found in a Savior. And not just a Savior. The Savior. The Savior whose name is Jesus Christ. We see here that this announcement by the angel, not only was it an announcement for the shepherds, but this is the first proclamation of the gospel throughout the New Testament, right? This is the first time that somebody is proclaiming, today a Savior is born. Check it out what it says in verse 11. It says, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Right, whenever we're searching for peace, it is found in the Savior. The angel was saying that God himself, right, God, the God that created the universe came in human form, in flesh, and God stepped right into the middle of our mess. He stepped right into the middle of our, our restlessness and our helplessness into our sinful world to be our Savior and our Lord. And because of that, we can have peace. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says this, 
May the Lord of peace. Remember that one of the names for Jesus out of the book of Isaiah, which was, which was uh, telling, foretelling the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, was the Prince of Peace. It says here, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. See, our peace is always going to be found in our Savior. But here's, here's, here's the thing that we need to understand. This is conditional. Right? We see in verse 14, we see the condition that's placed upon this peace. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Right? That's important for us to understand. This, this peace isn't, uh, not everybody that, that in the world is going to experience this peace. Right? The peace is only for those that the Lord favors. Well, who does the Lord favor? He favors his people. Right? He favors those who have trusted him as their Lord and Savior. He favors those who he's adopted into his family as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's whom he favors. And for those of us that have trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have peace on earth. Right? We have the peace that surpasses all understanding. But for those that have never trusted Jesus, they're, they're just onlookers. They cannot know the peace that we know apart from trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Right? And it's available to everyone. Earlier in the passage, we said that it's available to all men. It's available to all women. It's available to every single person that would put their trust in Jesus, but not everyone will. And unfortunately, not everyone will get to experience the peace that we experience. Salvation is offered to everyone, but not everyone will take advantage of it and say yes to Jesus. And we need to ultimately understand that for us to find peace in our lives, it starts with us finding peace with God, right? We'll never have peace with other people. We'll never have peace in our circumstances if we don't have peace with God. The Bible tells us that, that in our sin, we are actually enemies of God, right? Because when we sin, we, we commit treason against God is what the Bible tells us. We basically tell God, you know what? I can do it better. I don't need you. I've got my own thing going on here. And that, that sin creates this, this divide in our relationship with God, and, and we, are, we are not at peace. We are at war. We are enemies. And Paul writes that the penalty for that sin, the penalty for our treason is death. But the good news, the angels say, I came to give you good news. And the good news is that Jesus came and paid that price with his life. He died on our behalf and through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, our debt has been forgiven and we can now experience peace with God. Paul writes this in Romans 5.1. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, right, since we, since we have faith in Jesus, since we've trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he goes on to say, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? We desire peace in our life. We desire peace in our circumstances. But it will never happen until we have peace with God. Right? We'll never have peace with each other until we have peace with God. That's where it starts. That's our, our biggest need for peace is that we have peace with the God that created the universe. And it is through Christ that we have peace with God. It is through Christ that we have peace with others. It's through Christ that we have peace in our chaos and it's through Christ that we have peace in our grief and it's through Christ alone that we have peace in our uncertainty. We need to seek Jesus 
and he will give us peace. The second thing we, we see in this, this passage that is important is that peace follows praise. Peace follows praise. Notice what it says here in verse 13. It says, suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. Right? This was a song of praise. This was a song of worship and a song of peace. But it starts with praise. I promise you this, when, 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 I, when I'm feeling uneasy in life or when I'm feeling anxious or I'm starting to worry, one of the best things I can do is praise. Right? One, one, one of my go-to things, when I'm starting to feel anxious, uh, I, I go and I, I find my playlist on Spotify and I start listening to it because I know that I need to praise. I need some time with Jesus. I need some time in worship. And one of my favorite things when I'm, when I'm feeling anxious or upset or I'm needing peace is I just take my iPad and I find a piano and, and I just sit down and I just worship. Just me and Jesus right? Nobody else. And I just spend time with him. And every single time, it satisfies my soul. Every single time I get up from, from that piano or when I turn off the radio, I, it's just like, ah, oh, my spirit is just taking a big sigh. And I know that it's going to be okay. Right? We do this with our kids too. Even, even from when they, they were really young, when our kids would come to us and they say, I can't sleep at night, would go into their room and would put on some worship music and would bring peace to their spirit. When you, need, when you have the feeling that you need peace in your life, the first thing you should do is take some time to praise. Take some time to worship. Now here's the deal. Praising God doesn't change your circumstances. Right? When I get up from that piano or I turn off that radio after I've had some time in praise and worship, guess what? All of my problems are still there. They didn't magically disappear. But here's what happens. When, when we praise God, it takes our focus off of our problems and it puts it on the one that can solve our problems. Right? When we praise God, it takes our eyes off of the storm and the waves and it puts it on the one that can calm them just by saying, stop. Right? It doesn't change our circumstances. Our circumstances are still there. Our problems are still there. And, and when we focus on our problems, oftentimes our mind just makes them bigger and bigger and bigger. But when we get our eyes off of our problems and we put them on Jesus, we're reminded how small they are compared to how big our God is. And it doesn't change our circumstances. It changes our perspective. And say, so, okay, God, I have some big problems. But I have a bigger God. I have a God that already has the victory and told me that I already have the victory. So when we need peace, let's start by praise because peace will always come on the hills of praise because praise focuses us off of our problems onto the God who can solve them. The third thing we see in this passage, and I think this is, is super important, is peace is meant to be shared. Peace is meant to be shared. We were never intended to keep this to ourselves. Check it out what it says here in verse 16 of our passage. It said, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph. This is the shepherds, right? As soon as the angels left, they immediately got up and they hurried off, found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds 
said to them. Right? The, the angels came and proclaimed the good news. They said, today a Savior is born to you, and he's going to bring peace, and he's going to bring joy, and he's going to be your Messiah and your Lord. And they gave this message of good news. And immediately the shepherds went on and shared that with other people. Right? For those of us that have heard the good news, for those of us that have responded and we trusted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have an obligation to tell others about it as well. Right? We know the world is longing for peace. We know the world is looking for peace. I mean, we, we name awards after it, the Nobel Peace Prize. Everybody wants peace. And for those of us that know the source of peace, we have an obligation to tell them, hey, your peace is not found in some brilliant author or philanthropist. Peace isn't found when wars stop. Peace is only found in Jesus Christ, our Savior. Right? And when we find that peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that only comes from Jesus, we should always be looking to share it with other people. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, always, say always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. As people of God, we have peace that the world desires. It was never intended for us to keep it to ourselves. You see, and people will notice People will notice that as we walk through adversity, as we walk through challenges, that we do so differently, right? We, 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 don't, we don't freak out the way the world freaks out, and they'll take notice of that. And they'll ask us, hey, well, what's different about you? Man, you're so strong. How do you do this? At my last uh, church that I pastored, uh, we had a gentleman that, that uh, was dying from cancer, and we, we, I would go over and visit with him. And one time he said, Pastor Dennis, he said, I don't know how people go through cancer without Jesus. And he said, I have peace. I have peace that whether, whether I stay here another year or I get home to meet Jesus, it's going to be okay. And he would tell me that every time he went to a doctor's appointment, every time he went to a radiation treatment, People would ask him, how are you so happy? And say, Jesus, let me tell you about my Jesus. The peace that surpasses all understanding was never meant for us to be kept to ourselves. It was always meant to be shared. And we see that right here in this text, right? The angels share the story of peace with the shepherds, and the shepherds go and share the story of peace with others. We know the world is looking for peace. So why are we keeping it to ourselves? Especially when we know that the peace that they're seeking will never satisfy. And we know the ultimate source of peace. Our bottom line this morning, and it's important for us to remember be reminded of for me even this week my life has been crazy the last couple months and God reminded me this week as I was preparing for this passage that we only find peace 
when we pursue Jesus, right? When we pursue peace, we find empty promises, but when we pursue Jesus, we find the peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that the world doesn't even recognize, that they don't even know is available to them. And this peace is only found in our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Messiah. But you know, it wasn't his birth that brought us peace. It was ultimately his death. We don't like to think about that at Christmas time, right? Because, you know, we, we like to look at Christmas time at Jesus and you know, this cuddly baby in the manger. We sing all these, these beautiful songs, Silent Night. But we need to remember that Jesus came not so that we can hang trees and sing songs, exchange presents. He came so he could die. To die on a cross for our sins. Right? No, check this out. Nowhere in Scripture are we ever told to celebrate his birth. Think about that for a moment. Have you ever read a single verse that said, celebrate the birth of Jesus? No. What we are told to do is celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection. Because if it wasn't for that, right? If it wasn't for the cross, the manger wouldn't matter. Right? If it wasn't for Easter, Christmas wouldn't happen. Right? If it wasn't for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, it would just be the birth of another guy that came into history and did some good things and then died. But because of the cross, because of what he did to pay the price for our sins, we celebrate the birth of the Messiah. We celebrate Jesus because of what he did on the cross. And this morning, we're, we're going to be celebrating the, the, the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection through communion together, through taking of the Lord's Supper. For those of us that, that have been believers for a while, we know that what this represents, right? The bread represents the body of Jesus broken, broken for us. The, blood, the, the juice represents his blood that was, that was poured out for us. You see, we need to remember that the child that was born in Bethlehem in a manger went on to live a perfect life. And then he died on the cross, not for his own sins, but for our sins. And he was buried in a tomb and he rose again on the third day. Jesus came into this world not so we could celebrate Christmas, but to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. To be the ultimate sacrifice to being pre peace between God and humanity. That's why he came. That's why his, his birth matters. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this, this saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save Dennis. Christ Jesus came into the world to save you, your family, We celebrate Christmas because of the sacrifice Christ gave on the cross. And so as we, part of our, our Christmas celebration this season, we're gonna remember that sacrifice and we're gonna celebrate that sacrifice because without Easter, Christmas wouldn't matter. But before we, we celebrate through the Lord's Supper, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond. 
to respond to Jesus today. I'm going to ask everybody to close your eyes and bow your head. There may be some of you that are here today that you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, and, and you, you get what I'm talking about when, when I talk about peace being empty and, and unsatisfying because you've been searching for it all your life, and you've never found peace that satisfies. But I want to tell you today that the peace you've been looking for is possible, and it starts with Jesus. It starts by you putting your faith and trust in him as your Lord and Savior. And there's no other way to know peace with God but through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. And you need to understand that as long as you continue to live in your sin, you will never have peace with God. But the good news is, that over 2,000 years ago, a baby was born in a city called Bethlehem. And that baby would go on to, to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we could have peace with God, so that we can have forgiveness of our sins, so we could experience his mercy and his grace and his joy, and, and we could be adopted into his family as sons and daughters of God. The price has been paid, and Jesus freely extends that offer to us, and we just have to say yes Yes, Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior. Yes, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. Yes, Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. Right now, I'm going to pray a prayer. If that's you today, and you are at that place where you're saying, yes, I need Jesus in my life, I want to encourage you to just pray this prayer with me. I'm telling you right now, the words are insignificant. There's nothing magical about the words. It's not a, a special chant that if you say these specific words, you're saved. We are only saved by grace through faith, through what Jesus did on the cross and us accepting that gift of salvation. So it's the posture of our heart that matters, not the words that come out of our mouth. The words are just a way of communicating what is in our heart that we want Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. So if you're ready to make that decision today, whether you're in the room or online, say this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner. And because of my sin, I deserve death. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus as a baby born in a manger to one day die on a cross in my place. To pay the price for my sins so that I could have peace with you. So that I could experience your love, your grace, and your mercy. Today I say yes to Jesus as my Savior. And I commit my life to follow him as my Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to, everybody, keep your, your eyes closed and your heads bowed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want you to do me a favor. Just slip up your hand so we know that we can be praying for you. Yes, I see those hands. Thank you. Praise God. Just raise your hand. Nobody else is looking around. It's just me. I want to know who, how to pray for you, how to help you walk this journey. Amen. Praise God. I see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. Father God, I just thank you for the lives that were transformed this morning. 
I thank you for all these hands that went up saying, today I trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I know that your word says when anyone comes to faith, that all of heaven rejoices with them. And Father, we rejoice with them this morning. We rejoice with what you're doing in their life, Father, that now they have a relationship with you that will transform their lives in ways that they can never imagine. And Father, for the rest of us, for those of us that, that, that have followed you and trusted you and we, we call you our, our Father and our Lord, man, we just need peace. We need peace in our life right now. And I pray that as we walk out of these doors today, as we walk back into the mess, as we walk back into the chaos, as we walk back into our problems, that we would remember not to focus on those, not to focus on our circumstances, but to focus on the God who has the power over all of our problems, to focus on the God who is bigger than anything that we may ever face in life. And that our peace comes not from the changing of our circumstances, but from the God who loves us, from the Savior who died on a cross for us. Father, may we be people that live in the peace that surpasses all understanding. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I ask you to take out the, the cup that you received as you came in. If you didn't get one, we have some ushers in the back. They can, they can get one to you. Just raise your hand. The Lord's Supper was something that Jesus instituted on his last night with his disciples before he was crucified. They were sharing a meal together. And he took the bread, and this is what it says in, in 1 Corinthians. This is Paul writing about that event. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. And as we take the bread, we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. He said, Do this in remembrance of Paul goes on to say, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. And he says, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for taking our place on the cross. Thank you for, for paying the ultimate sacrifice for my sin, for our sin. You didn't have to go to the cross. You didn't, you didn't commit any sin. You were perfect, but you died on the cross for our sin. And Father, may we never lose sight of the significance of the cross. May we never lose sight of the significance of what you did on our behalf. And Father, we, we come to you today, come in worship and praise because of everything that you've done for us, for the sacrifice that was made for us. And Lord, we cannot do enough to repay you for that. So we offer you all that we have ourselves. And Lord, as we pursue you, as we follow after you, Lord, we, we just pray that, that we will tell others about this sacrifice that we would make it known to them that there's a God that loves them, that died on a cross for their sins and wants to have a relationship with them. And that they can have peace with God and peace that surpasses all understanding through Jesus. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you made. Thank you for loving us even while we were in our sin. 
And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen and amen.